0: Great to have you on the podcast today, Lindsay.
1: Hey, how are you?
0: So, how do you balance being a full-time marathoner, a mom of four, and pod?
1: Oh my gosh, lots of help from my husband and childcare. That's how I balance it. There's, I feel like there's always, there's always something in the background that's helping people, you know, get to where they want to be.
0: And are you training for any big uh, races right now? As with COVID.
1: You know, I'm not. I'm kind of getting in shape pretty good right now. I have a really good balance with running and lifting, but I haven't trained really properly for a race since I guess it was, oh my goodness, 2017 maybe? Is that crazy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy how time flies. Like I want to start doing races, but most of my races have been canceled or um, postponed due to the situation
1: yeah and I definitely did some virtual races last year and then um, I did do right before the pandemic hit I did run a half marathon fairly hard so I've done some races but um, I, I kind of used the pandemic as an excuse to just kind of stay fit but not push my limits as far as speed goes or anything like that
0: I think that goes for myself too. I was training really hard from tw- years 2015 to 2017 right around the time when you were doing that race and yeah. After that I just got I just lost it, but now I'm actually as of 2021 I'm starting to regain that focus back because it's getting warmer out, it's nicer.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's in it. And there's just like hope around the corner with all the vaccinations and just I think races have kind of figured out how to do things in a safe way. I, I, I think there's lots of harace- races on the horizon to to get excited for.
0: So what was your big breakout marathon that you ran a th- 311? That's an insane time.
1: Oh, thank you. I so I actually ran that in between my sec or my third and fourth babies. I was one year postpartum. Um and I think I knew I'd had that time in me for a while in 2013 after my first baby. I ran a 313 and it was on a super windy day in Virginia. It was the Shamrock Marathon. And I think I probably had more like a 309 or 310 in me that day, but man, that wind was insane. Um, and so, you know, I've had lots of babies since then and I would always try to kind of get back in shape between each kid. Um, and I think I always felt too this pressure to get back in shape because I knew I wanted to have more kids. So I'm like, I wanna get, I wanna have a really great race and then have another baby. Really great race and then have another baby. And so Um, I did that in between my third and fourth. And so now we're done having kids and I'm thinking, okay, now you have time. You don't have to rush your body back to fitness or anything like that. And so, um, I do think I'll try to go after that PR in the next couple years.
0: And I think about running, it's a really weird and cool sport at the same time. Sometimes you'll hit those races so well, then they'll, there'll be that race that, kind of sucks but maybe a year or two later you'll get that motivation determination and more consistent training and you will have that race one that big breakout race but you just don't give up in the process
1: yeah and i think on that note too something to think about is just that you know even if you have a bad race that doesn't mean that your training cycle that went into that race is means nothing it, it doesn't mean that that didn't that work didn't get put in it doesn't mean that your body isn't going to use that for future cycles i kind of think that those training cycles kind of build on top of one another so even if you don't have an excellent race you still have that training cycle to fall back on that your body your body remembers these things
0: right and one of the motivation parts of that is i think social media is a big influence for a lot of athletes especially myself just seeing people running big races and and that makes me really like it doesn't make me cringe but it makes me just want to keep doing it because I could see something I could see the light at the end of the tunnel to mean to just to stay consistent and you will get there
1: yeah, it's fun to share the journey on social media and also just kind of see people who might be at similar training paces than as you. And you can if you can stay away from the comparison game and all that, you can really use each other to motivate one another and cheer each other on.
0: Right. And I don't follow people that are in my fitness level because I get agitated. So I actually <laughs> follow people that that's have funny. Either a lot less of a fitness background are a lot slower or a lot faster, but not in the middle.
1: You know what, you know, what, what, uh, irritates you. So you just like, you know what you're doing. That's good. They, they say, don't, don't follow anybody. If Don't follow people that aren't serving you. And so if that does not serve you, that's a smart idea.
0: Right. Because it's like, follow the leader. You don't always want to follow the leader. If You have big goals. You want to stick to your gut and do it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So what was your mindset that gave you that strong finish when you ran the 311? What kept you just like?
1: Yeah, man, that was such a hard fall for us. My mother-in-law had passed away that fall and it was actually the second year of my podcast. And so I was also, um, I did my first live show, which was super grassroots. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just kind of pulled that all together. And and then I ran this race three weeks after that. And, you know, I don't think I realized until after the race was even over how much weight was on my shoulders from, you know, my mother-in-law being sick and walking through that. And then, um, also just like trying to go in this new direction with my career, with a podcast, trying something new I almost think, though, with the podcast, it was like that was a good distraction from the training. Like, oh, my life isn't all training. You know, there are other things going on. And so sometimes I think we run harder and better when we have distractions and we don't only think about, you know, my long run or my workout or my race. Um, So I think, though, on race day, I knew what I was pretty fit for. Um, and then mentally it, I think, I think the experience of a, having ran so many marathons that always helps me stay mentally tough because I can always say I've done this before. I've, I've felt this pain before. Um, and quite honestly, like having kids has made me a tougher runner because, um, I don't know. I think that the time I take away from my family to run and do races and stuff like that is, is really important to me, but also I I very much see that I'm not at home with them and things like that. So I really want to capitalize on the moment and make sure that I'm making the most of any race situation I put myself in. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of that at the end of a marathon, it's like, if your legs can do the work, the next piece is, can you stay mentally tough and You know, those are the two things. Can my legs do it and can I stay mentally tough, at least for me? So um, I like to repeat things in my head. Like I like to repeat words. For instance, I like to say like strong, fluid, uh, fast. And then also that race, I had just interviewed actually Dina Castor right before the race. And one of the things that she said, and she talks about a lot in her book, Let Your Mind Run, is define yourself. So I actually wrote that on my arm, define yourself. And I thought about that when I wanted to slow down, like define yourself, like define how tough you are right now. So I think that all those factors probably played into uh, being able to finish that race with a PR.
0: Right, because I think running is just a lifestyle sport in general. And some people might not believe it's a lifestyle sport. Some people might do it to lose weight. Mm-hmm. They may not find an interest in it until they might lose a certain amount of pounds or they they feel great. they don't they didn't have that energy like they did before. and then all of a sudden, they're just gonna probably most likely run for the most rest of their lives.
1: You know that's a really great point. and I just got off the phone last night, my aunt wanted me to call my niece, who um, is going to be in middle school and she, I guess she's not my niece. She's my second cousin, but that's beside the point. She's a lot younger than me. Um, and she was trying to convince her daughter to try out for the cross country team. And that's exactly what I was telling her. I was like, you know what, more than anything, what this is going to do is this is going to plant a base in your life that will hopefully create a lifelong habit and a love for running.
0: And, I also want to dive into, so when did you start running in high school or middle school?
1: Um. Yeah, I started running in high school. My best friend, uh, my freshman year of, of uh, high school, she did cross country and then she convinced me to do track. And so then I really fell in love with running, though, once I started cross country, which was my sophomore year of high school.
0: So I, I want to dive back to what you said just before, because... I think cross country is it's great because besides the running aspect you get that nice social aspect uh-huh. you can meet some friends you could do races with them and it it will build the community
1: I agree uh, with that for sure
0: So you also ran a, a half ironman
1: Yes
0: That's Interesting
1: so long ago, and yeah, to to piggyback off what you said there, I that's one of the big things I was I was trying to relay to, to my little second cousin. It's like the bonds and the relationships and the friendships you make through running are are super special and important. And I actually think um, in high school sports, I mean, I guess I didn't do every sport, but I do from from kind of like paying attention to other friends that did other sports. I think that there's something really special about the bond you have with other runners on your team i'm sure a sport like swimming you kind of feel similar
0: right um and, but go ahead oh so and then what i really think is really cool about running in comparison to all the other sports is that it's very custom and individual to each person mm-hmm. every every person has their own type of fitness level specifically it may not be just like a bunch of people that are like really strong guys playing football, but you might have some really fast runners, some slower runners, and moderate runners. But the great part about that is that you can be into different groups and you can run with different runners, and so forth.
1: Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's a good point. And it doesn't matter how fast or slow you are; you can you can be a part of it regardless of of what your natural talent and speed is. And I always tell people like, you'll surprise yourself once you get to training and really understanding how to work hard. Cause I, I do think that it takes some time to understand like how to handle the mental pain of pushing yourself, you know? Um, uh, but once you figure that out, like you really surprise yourself on how, how fast you can actually run.
0: And what I think about running, it's like magic, magic and misery to get into that misery there will be magic at some point you just have to keep pushing and those endorphins will rush the dopamines will be going
1: totally Uh, yeah for sure there's nothing better than a post-race endorphin high that is the best ever
0: and also what i think about running it's like the anti-drug you might not feel the best doing it but when you're done you're gonna feel great like almost 10 out of 10. Oh, for
1: sure. And that's another thing too. I always say like people say they don't like running, but I'm like, a lot of people don't know if they like it or not because it takes a good, like, you know, once you work up the physical ability to do it, it takes a good, like two miles for your body to really get warmed up. I mean, nope. The first mile is always kind of like blah for anybody.
0: Yeah. Because the first mile is really not going to like, determine the whole outcome of your run cuz I've had multiple runs before the first mile was terrible but when I got to mile 2 3 and 4 or even beyond that is when I actually started to really feel good
1: oh for sure and you're like oh I had no idea this kind of run was happening today this is great
0: so I want to dive into your your podcast and so you're the host of I'll have another and you're also the co-host of the Illuminate podcast.
1: Yes, and I host the parenting podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling? I'm apparently just trying to podcast my life away.
0: <laughs> so I, I actually listened to a couple of your episodes, and two of them specifically that really stood out to me was the Ryan Hall and Sarah Hall. So oh, how, how, you. The heck did you, how the heck did you get them on?
1: Well, I mean, I've just been doing it for so long now. And actually, you know, it's interesting. Sarah Hall was one of the very first professional runners I ever had on my show. And I when I launched my show, I can't believe it's been five years in 2016. um, I just kind of like put it out there like I want to have Sarah Hall on my podcast. And, you know, this was a while ago and there weren't a ton of running podcasts out there just yet. So it was a pretty new thing. But Um, I found her email and I just asked her and she she agreed. And it's kind of funny because that first recording that we had, her Internet was really spotty and we had to actually pick another date to do it. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, what if it doesn't happen now? Um, But yeah, since then, I've just kind of like built the library with lots of amazing professional and everyday runners. And um, yeah, it's been really fun. And I'm really honored when Ever, someone agrees to come on the show regardless of you know if they're a super popular pro or you know just an everyday runner that has a really good story
0: and what i really find interesting about sarah hall is she's still kicking it she's still running those low 220 marathons and i think recently she got a pr right
1: yeah she did yeah she ran a huge pr she was going after the american record at the marathon project and she ran a 220 so um, yeah, she's really having really the best year of her career, I would say.
0: That's an absolutely insane time and amazing. And I know Stephanie Bruce, too, that you podcasted, she's she's running insane times as well.
1: Oh, yeah. She's, she's such an inspiration as a mom and a businesswoman and a runner. And I just, I always appreciate how much Stephanie like puts out there and shares with us and um yeah, she's super authentic. I mean, Sarah is too, but I, I really love following both of them.
0: Yeah, I follow their journey too on Instagram. And really cool is like they built these like lucrative careers around these sports. And it's just their whole life, basically. And they love what they're doing and they're doing great at it.
1: Yeah, they're they're true inspirations. And um, I think that's something that's so super cool about social media is that we can actually really closely follow these pros if if they want to put it out there. Not everybody does, but we can really pay attention to their training and, and all that. And, and it's so, it almost makes seeing the end result that much more exciting because you've kind of seen them put their heart and soul out there and, and kind of followed along the way.
0: And so I want to dive into strength training a little bit more. So how many times a week do you strength train? And, do you strength train a lot more during marathon season.
1: So I have never been a big strength trainer. I have always done some like basic stuff, you know, like push-ups and things like that, very very small amounts, like planks. And this past summer in July, I I had been running pretty well because of quarantine and everything. I had just gotten into a really good groove, and I kind of overdid it like, you know, a good amount of people did and hurt my foot. I pretty, We're pretty sure I had a stress fracture on my second metatarsal. So um, I kind of investigated it but didn't go so far as to get an MRI because it was pretty apparent, and it was like, well, I can't really put weight on my foot, so it's clearly hurt, and I'm not going to try to run until it feels better. So I kind of just prescribed myself six to eight weeks off and was doing a lot of bike riding and decided I wanted to um, start strength training more. So I had a friend – In the area who was looking for some buddies to do some strength training in her gym. So really my friend, Erin, I give her so much credit because she kind of taught me a lot about strength training and showed me the app that she uses. We use the sweat app, um, to come up with workouts and things like that. And since last July, I've had a pretty solid routine of lifting three to four days a week. And then I usually run right now I'm running probably about five days a week. So, um, I just feel this really good balance. My body feels really strong and I'm not running high mileage at all. I mean, I probably average like 25 miles a week. Um, so yeah, you know, if I, if I want to train fast and, and run a fast marathon, I'm going to have to figure that out and, and up my mileage, but I'm feeling really, really in a good mental place and physical place with, with the lifting and the running right now.
0: That's great to hear because as myself, I run five to six days a week and it's just enough and getting that one to two days off a week is, it it feels great because I used to run seven days a week and I'd feel horrible because I wasn't getting enough recovery in between my runs and so forth.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a certain type of person that can actually do seven days a week. I mean, I know a lot of people, there are people that can, but if you're not getting, you know, especially the older you get, if you're not getting treatment on your body and really giving it that TLC running seven days a week is hard on your body.
0: And as your training is going very well, do you get a lot of sleep too? I
1: I try. (laughs) Um, it's really hit or miss with four kids. You know, my kids are two, four, six, and eight. So we're in a pretty good spot, but it's really hard to know. Like you just can't, the thing is, is you just can't plan anything. Like you have no idea if people are going to be up in the middle of the night or not. Generally speaking though, um, I'm doing really well with sleep. I take this Beam CBD at night. It's a little like hot chocolate blend kind of thing. And it has melatonin and CBD in it. And I, that's kind of like my nightly ritual. And I think it has helped me sleep a lot. Now, last night I had insomnia like all night and it was awful for no reason. So, you know, sometimes that happens, but, um, for the most part, I try to get like seven hours of sleep and that I seem to run pretty good on that.
0: Right. And I also think that caffeine is a factor. Oh, it is. I know. And that's, insomnia to myself a little bit as well but when I when I stopped drinking coffee completely I was getting eight to nine hours of sleep but before that I was only getting like five to six hours of sleep and that really does have an impact on your training over the long term
1: I yeah I agree I'm a sucker for coffee I, I will never I will never give up my morning coffee um, but the afternoon coffee sometimes I do have a coffee at like one which I did yesterday and I like to think it doesn't affect my sleep, but it probably does.
0: Right. Because if you have coffee, maybe three or four o'clock, it's, it's most likely gonna really put an impact on the sleep. But I guess, like you said, maybe it, it depends how much you take during that time period too. In the afternoon. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah. And I try to cut myself off. Like you don't have coffee past two Lindsay. That's, that's your rule. That's what I try to do.
0: (laughs) And what is your nutrition when you do these big events or in general?
1: Um, I am pretty, pretty good with sticking to, um, peanut butter toast and a banana in the morning of a race. And then I, I usually like if it's a marathon or a half, even I'll take some like jellies, you know, like, um, energy jelly bar, jelly bean things and, or goo chomps or something like that. And I'll eat a few of those right before the start to give me like a little energy kick and kick. And then I'm a pretty standard, just gel person during a race. Like, um, I'll take anything goo hammer. Um, I actually, this past year have been interested in trying out spring nutrition, which I did a little bit, uh, when I did some virtual races, but I, I think I might look into that for if I race hard again.
0: I like the goose too because they have a lot of sugar, maltodextrin, a lot of carbs. So it really, it'll, it'll keep you perked up during. Oh, the race. for sure. And that's really important for an athlete. Oh, I agree. Because you don't want to, you don't want to lose that focus when you're two to three hours into the race. And I know also that you're supposed to take gels maybe every thirty to forty minutes, but it, it really depends on the athlete and how much calories they will need at that time? for sure.
1: I, yeah, for sure. I know I always tell people like you gotta, you gotta play around with it. You know, you don't, you are, you might not hit it the first time.
0: Yeah. And also what type of running shoes do you like to use and perform the best? Ooh,
1: that's a great question. I, well, I've never been a super big um, shoe nerd, But recently, I got the Hoka. I think it's called the Match Fours, and I love them so much. Um, They're so comfortable, and um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my go-to right now.
0: That's amazing. Well, I'm going to wrap it up today. So thank you so much for coming on to the Passion and Motion of Fitness podcast. Thanks for
1: having me. It was really fun to get to know you. And um, I really appreciate you asking me to come on as a guest.
0: Have a great day. You too.